and welcome back to the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. As always, I am your host with the Holla French Toast, Freddie Carlson, and I am joined today by my good friend on the other side of the microphone, Angelo Belli. Say hello to the people, Angelo. Hello, hello, everybody. What is going on? And today, we are here to talk about some news in the wrestling world. We're going to make it very simple, very uh, short and uh, concise tonight, and we would be remiss if we did not mention the untimely passing of the legendary, late, great WWE Hall of Famer, Pat Patterson, who passed away late Tuesday night, December the 1st, uh, at 79 years of age. Pat Patterson was the first ever WWE Intercontinental Champion, having won a fictional tournament in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, back in 1979. Uh, he was also the brains and the creator of the inaugural format of the Royal Rumble match. Uh, he went on to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 1996, and was the first openly gay WWE superstar. He was also one of the Stooges alongside Gerald Briscoe for Vince McMahon in the late 90s during the Attitude Era, providing amazing comedy relief alongside the likes of the talented heads of the era that existed back in those days. And, of course, was Vince McMahon's trusted right-hand man backstage on Creative for years and years and years. It has been very well documented that many superstars over the last several uh, days I've been sending in their well wishes and their support and love for Pat on social media and expressing his desire to always make the superstars be looking even better and to make the crowd go home even happier. Uh, Angelo, do you have any any parting words for the legendary Pat Patterson? Uh, I just want to say that you know he was such a, I guess, a huge part in the world of wrestling, mainly in WWE. Um, you know, uh, to me, like, when I was, like, seeing all, like, the superstars and everybody post, men and women, actually, um, about how they got started, they were saying how much of a, like, key role he played in them becoming superstars. You know, like, he was just, like, a father figure to them almost, almost like Dusty Rhodes was in NXT. So, yeah. for that, you know, that, that just hits home. That, uh, touched a soft spot. Yeah, you know, and I think the thing is, it's, uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate, you know. We um, we didn't get to see Pat wrestle, at least not in his prime. A lot of what we saw, you know, was uh, more of a comedic thing, as I said with the Stooges. But exactly, he truly was innovative, and he truly was to a lot of people the the go to guy. I mean, I saw some of the posts. He, if you needed a, a unique and crazy or good finish, you went to Pat Patterson because his mind was just so amazing at that. And I feel like when you can create that in your mind, when you can create that in your abilities, it is very, very hard to, um, you know, to, to be forgotten. And I mean, they say legends never die, especially not in the wrestling business. And I don't think the, the, the legacy and the memory of Pat Patterson will ever be lost. He was truly an, an innovator a truly a, a, a stalwart in, in, in many respects. And he's not, and I, and I had thought about this the other day, he might not have been an Austin or a Rock or a Cena who was literally the face of a generation, but he was the behind the scenes to those faces of those generations, creating those unique finishes and being in their corner every step of the way. And uh, he is the true legend that we have lost in this world in the year of 2020. Uh, may God rest his soul and Pat Patterson, you will be missed. With that being said, we do want to move on from the somber and get into some actual wrestling news, and we have something a little more exciting to talk about, and that is uh, AEW Dynamite last night. Winter is coming. Angelo, did you check out Winter is Coming last night on Dynamite? Uh, I catched, uh, on my actual TV, I catched the main event, 
the ending of the main event between Omega and Moxley. Uh, the last, I believe it was seven or eight minutes of AEW uh, Dynamite. Oh, such and, a good oh episode. my God, what a show it was. So, From whatever I saw on Instagram or, you know, just anything. Yes. And when I got home, just to see the last little bit of that main event. Ah. So this is the spoiler alert to anyone who is listening to this and has yet to see or hear of the results of AEW Dynamite. If, and if you didn't see Winter is Coming and you were con- and you want to have it not spoiled for you, you were concerned about that, now is your time to either skip to a later point in the video or stop listening because we're going to be talking a lot about it. Uh, so, Winter is Coming, AEW Dynamite, Wednesday, December the 2nd, 2020. Uh, was a very hyped up Dynamite episode and arguably probably the most important one that they have ever had to this point in the over year of uh, existence that they have had. Uh, with this show, uh, a lot, a little bit of filler, but some good stuff. There was some stuff with uh, Britt Baker early in the show, getting into it with Thunder Rosa. I'm excited to see what goes on there. There was the Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royal. The final two participants were MJF and Orange Cassidy. They'll go one on one next week for the Diamond Ring. Uh, and of course, the main, uh, the two main things coming out of last night's episode. We'll start with what happened as Cody, Cody Rhodes, and Darby Allen were being assaulted by Team Taz, Powerhouse Will Hobbs. Uh, Brian Cage, Taz, and Ricky Starks. And, oh boy! Who would have thought that the 61-year-old man named Sting would show up in AEW on Winter is Coming? Angelo, you may not have caught it live. Actually, I just missed it. I put the TV on just after the segment ended. But what was your immediate reaction to hearing that Sting is now officially signed to All Elite Wrestling? So when when I saw... You know, whether it was one of the posts that I saw on Instagram from numerous uh, wrestling pages or when I saw that video that you sent me. Unfortunately, I was at work uh, finishing up, but I had a couple seconds to see the video. And the second that I heard the entrance music, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm watching the video. I'm watching the video. And then I see the Titan Tron. I see the crow and I'm like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. And then I hear, oh my god, it's Sting! Tony Schiavone, you handsome, <laughs> handsome man. What a call. It's Sting! Oh man, it felt like WCW in the late 90s all over again. And the oh, crazy man. thing is, so there's a lot to unpack in that in that fact alone. I mean, what's going on there with, with Sting and, you know, with his debut in AEW. His return to TNT, so... Sting was the face of WCW for many re, uh, respects, uh, for many years. He had his legendary feuds with the likes of the uh, Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan and the NWO and the Four Horsemen, and we all knew Sting was kind of like the WCW guy. He was the guy who stayed until the bitter end. Like The Undertaker with WWE, Sting was the face of that company, and despite all the big names that came in, Sting was always there. He was omnipresent. He never went away. But WCW closed its doors in March of 2001, the last match to ever take place in a, a wrestling match to take place on, on TNT, on WCW uh, Nitro, was Sting versus Ric Flair. And Sting, he went to TNA and he did all the things that he did there, eventually ended up in WWE and the unfortunate circumstances of his WWE career. You know, all these things that were just unfortunate. I mean, his time in TNA for the most part was very good, but he, he wasn't on that big stage. He didn't return to being that, that guy, the omnipresent guy that he was. And I'm not saying that he has to be, but the fact of the matter that Sting has not only returned to TNT, but returned to indie wrestling, for all lack of a better term, is is amazing. Because let's be honest, 
there was a good chance that if AEW didn't exist, he would forever be like one of those WWE Hall of Famers who's there and who's always just there, you know in the background, you know. But a guy, but but guys like Bret Hart have already gone there and done things like this, and now Sting being a full time, full fledged member of the uh, of the signed uh, signed to AEW. Yeah, I heard a multi year. Yeah, it's crazy. Sting, he's sixty one years old. Now we got to get into this, Angelo, and we've had we had this conversation last night. Yes, we've been going back and forth even into today. Oh uh, yeah. So <laughs> now the question that Sting is in AEW, great moment, great pickup, and a great mind to have around these young and up and coming guys, and I think it's going to be great for guys like Darby Allen and even exactly. for Cody Rhodes and and Team Taz and all these young guys who are going to be exposed to being around Sting now. That's this great wrestling mind. My concern is there's two. There, there, there are two. I'm more worried about the first one than the second because I think they're smart enough to not make the second mistake. I don't think Sting needs to get into that ring. He is 61 years old, and this is a man who five years ago had a career-ending neck injury at 56, and he barely made it out of that alive. I'm sorry. I love Sting. At one time, he was arguably one of the most talented and beloved wrestlers in the world. And everybody wanted that dream match between The Undertaker and him for many, many years, even well after both of those guys were past their prime. And yet, we still wanted it for the simple sake of nostalgia. And that would have been the one nostalgia match that if WWE ever gave it to us, we would have been totally fine with it. But we didn't get it. We had to have Sting be buried by Triple H because, hey, WCW sucks and I won the war. If you're Vince McMahon, great, good for you. 15 years later, you still couldn't get over it. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the unfortunate circumstances of what happened with Seth Rollins in that match. Again, not Seth's fault necessarily, just Sting's body kind of giving in after, you know, 25, 30 years in the business. And, you know, it happens. And not everyone can go for as long as guys like The Undertaker and be consistently in there. And while might be fighting while hurt and fighting through the pain, Sting literally couldn't. And I'm just worried about him being in the ring. And, Angelo, I know you had said some uh, hopes that you had, uh, but... Why do you feel so confident that it will be okay for Sting to be in the ring despite all these uh, outlying circumstances? So the the problem that I, like, the way that I see it is if you're going to let him go in the ring, have him do it, like, once every now and then, like, sporadically. And even even if it's a squash match, just to put someone over, who cares? His career is not going to be ruined by it. Especially if you put him in the ring against someone like Darby Allen. So... And now here's my thing. I think, personally, he needs to do what Arn Anderson has been doing for Cody Rhodes. He needs to be the guy in the corner, lending the advice, lending that hand, and being a mentor. And if you're going to put him in a match, it has to mean something. If there is any reason to put him in a match, there has to be a reason, and there has to be a fail-safe plan to keep him safe. I truly think the only way he should be competing is in cinematic wrestling. And unfortunately, I think uh, AEW is not as big on the cinematic kind of format as WWE has become in this pandemic era. But I'm just a little concerned about that. Be that as it may, I'm really hyped that he is in AEW. Because I think him being around, like I said before, him being around a guy like Darby Allen is going to be great for Darby's career. Because Darby is this kind of weird, you know, emo boy character, and he's got a lot of potential. He's great in that ring, he is a great seller, and he is going to be big money if he's given enough opportunity and enough time to develop. 
And I'm loving the fact that he's TNT champion. I truly think he can be a world championship competitor. But think about it. He's got very similar vibes to Sting. You know, Sting was this guy who was kind of like an outlier. And then all of a sudden he became this big mega's baby face in the early, late 80s, early 90s. And then he transitioned into that demonic, you know, Sting, you know, the crow-like character and all that. And then eventually the Joker Sting that developed in TNA and all that kind of stuff. I think Darby has those kinds of layers to his character already. And if you allow a guy like Sting to work with him, maybe be his manager, maybe be his mouthpiece, something like that, and then maybe you have them end up feuding at some point down the line where you have Sting, the legendary Sting, put over Darby Allen. I mean, if you're talking about a legend coming back and putting somebody over, that's the way you do it. Elevate them to the highest level possible. And now, Angelo, another thing that we saw on social media, and there's been a lot of this, is a comparison to what WWE did with Bill Goldberg. Yes. And I think we are both in agreement and, and disagree if you do that this is not the same type of a situation. Uh, yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. Definitely not the same type of situation because for, to me, it's like, you know, Goldberg comes back to WWE and automatically boom, universal championship. And it's like, what are you doing now? Like, why are you giving it to him when he comes back for one match Hits three jackham hits three spears and a jackhammer, and then that's it. And then you're not going to see the title for a little while. And then you know he cuts a promo, and then in his next match he botches a move or gets injured or whatever bullshit happens. Yeah. Happens, but so <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. So it, it's obviously uh, up for debate. I, I I don't think I'm in that boat as well. Like I said, where I don't think that this is the same thing at all. I feel as though. The only comparison you can draw is it's an older guy coming back and potentially potentially getting more TV time than some of these younger guys who are, I'm sure, really hungry to be on TV. But the thing is, and, and, and this is where I'm coming from, Sting, and this is the second thing that I mentioned before that I'm not as worried about, AEW saw what happened in, the, in, in TNA. TNA in 2010-11 started to rely too much on the outside guys, the washed, the quote-unquote washed-up WWE guys, coming in and being the focus of everything while their homegrown talent suffered. Guys like James Storm and Robert Roode and, and, uh, and AJ, Christopher, Styles, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, guys who have been there, who are like the established guys, Samoa Joe, Eric Young, had to take a backseat a lot of times to guys like Booker T and Kevin Kurt Nash, Angle. Kurt Angle, Scott Steiner, you know, I think the one exception is Christian because Christian went there to elevate himself and he did and he made himself a main event level talent there. So that's you know when he was Christian Cage and that's great and all well and good. But TNA relied too much on it and then the failed Hulk Hogan experiment that just completely ended any hope TNA have had of being the number two company in the world because Hogan let his ego run wild as he does everywhere he goes. And you see, I'm not as worried about AEW doing this because everyone involved in the decision-making at AEW saw this and knows that that was the death nail for TNA. And they know that this is supposed to be an alternative to WWE, and so they're not going to make the same mistakes that WWE made in putting the world title on a 70... Oh, not a 70... A 60-year-old man who is definitely well past his prime and, as I said before, should probably not even be in that ring to begin with because of the health issues. Whether or not his neck feels fine, as he has said in interviews, is up to him. You know, is one thing. But, and 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 this is the thing that I really, really worry about, is that 
he is going to be put into something. Looks like something with Cody and Darby for right now. Mm-hmm. Fine. But do not, for the love of God, put him anywhere near that world championship unless he is elevating Darby to that level. Now, I don't think Darby is there yet. He's got the TNT title. He needs to run with that for a little while and make that title important and make Darby important. And then maybe down the line, if there's any way or or, or ability to do so, you give Darby a chance at at the world title. And if Sting is his manager or his mouthpiece, great. That's fine. You got Taz as the mouthpiece for... His whole team, you got James, uh, Jake Roberts is the mouthpiece for Lance Archer. Arn Anderson is there with Cody. Those guys, Tully Blanchard's in there with guys like, you know, Sean Spears and FTR. Having them around in that locker room in general is so helpful. And now you're going to add in Sting. These are guys who have traveled the world, who have main evented, who are world champions. Guys who should have, you know, who are, you know, when you're talking legends, all those names I just said are truly legendary. And AEW has them at their disposal to help tutor, to tutelage these young guys. And they have yet to make a mistake. Jake Roberts, Taz, and... Um, Billy Gunn. Uh, uh, Billy Gunn, even. Uh, Taz and Tully Blanchard. They've gotten involved, but only in the right amount. Only to elevate their guys. You know, they're some of the best talkers. Taz is unbelievable on the mic. Jake Roberts was the best promo cutter of his generation, you know, in terms of, like, the slow precise demand like you know straightforward one you know he was from the era of hogan and warrior and macho man oh yeah and the, let me tell you something brothers and you know those guys were you know supernatural in some ways with the way they cut their promos but roberts so precise so deliberate you talk about your psalms you talk about your john 316 you know that was that was jake roberts and and, and that was so good and now sting was never the best talker but him just being in there and potentially being a manager, potentially being a mouthpiece, being there as the guiding light for a guy like Darby Allen or anybody for that matter, is perfect. It is perfect. And as so long as they continue to do what they've been doing and avoid the mistakes of TNA and WWE, they'll be okay. Anything else you want to add about Sting coming to AEW? So, really, really quick, this thought just popped into my head out of nowhere. You said back in WCW, he was pretty much like the Undertaker version. I see that as in now in AEW, he still carries that on because I could see him as a, as the true locker room leader. Any anytime that anybody needs advice on something, they should they could go straight to him and be like, you know, what can we do? Like, you know, how can we make this match even better? How can I do on my promos? Like, whatever. I feel like that's something that. Like you said, he's a huge help for backstage for sure. and for everything. For sure. And, and that's the thing. Like I said, they've already got some of the better people there to do it. Like you've said, Billy Gunn, Taz, you know, Jake Roberts, etc. These guys are all perfect. And Sting only supplements that to a new level. It's like you right. just, you've amplified it to the nth degree, so to speak. You know? And that's yeah. all you could ask for. And that's all you need. And that makes me so genuinely excited because it can provide you with such good TV and it can make everything in AEW better. And look, I don't give a damn about the ratings war, to be completely honest with you. What I care about, what I care about is the simple fact that this is going to provide us great TV, great wrestling, and great moments. I don't care if WWE or AEW comes out on top in this ratings war. I want to watch good wrestling. And if whatever show is putting on the better wrestling, that's what's going to get more of my time. And right now, AEW is killing it. 
And we're going to get to the main event of Dynamite in a second. But it was killing it. NXT is great. I'm excited for War Games on Sunday. But T- but AEW is killing it. And now we're going to get into something that's going to only amplify it more. So the main event of Winter is Coming was the highly hyped, the highly anticipated AEW World Championship Showdown between the man who lives a thousand something miles away from North Carolina, Kenny Omega, stealing from his entrance. I think that's just hilarious. Uh, and um, the, uh, at the time, reigning defending AEW World Champion, John Moxley, who was undefeated in competition in AEW. Um, Moxley and Omega went on and put on a very hard-hitting, vicious-style match. The type of match you expect out of those two. The little, but the surprise ending, man... I'm not one for screwy finishes. I like a title match of this magnitude to end with a legit winner and a legit loser. But this is one of those few times where the booking decision was the absolute perfect call. And they went with the finish of Don Callis, who has been best friends with Kenny Omega for 27 years, who is also the executive vice president of talent relations for Impact Wrestling, on commentary. Moxley throws Omega into a ring, a space heater at ringside. Omega looks like he may be concussed. Callus goes down to check on him, and boom. The plan hatches. It was a setup all along. Callus causes the distraction. Omega pops a, uh, a Moxley between the eyes with a microphone, busts him open, hits a bunch of V-triggers, a one-winged angel. One, two, three. Omega, Kenny Omega, is finally the AEW world champion. And then him and Callis run away, another like the heist of the century. They're running, and 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 uh, Tony Schiavone on commentary yelling, "This is bullshit." Was even better. Um, but then they get to that car in the parking lot, and they have an interviewer guy go out there. I forget the guy's name, um, and he goes, "What what is this? What are you doing?" And he goes, "We'll explain it to everyone on Tuesday." And the guy goes, "But Dynamite's on Wednesday." And he goes, "Yeah, that's right." Kenny Omega, the AEW World Champion, is coming Tuesday night, Access TV, to Impact Wrestling. Oh. My. God. In the immortal words of Janice from Friends, this is going to be awesome. That's right. Working relationship, partnership between AEW and Impact Wrestling. My God. This is going to be great. Angelo, gut reaction to this amazing announcement that we will be seeing AEW and Impact Wrestling seemingly have some sort of working relationship and or civil war. What do you think? Well, last night, that was definitely a shock. I did not see that coming at all. Nope. Um, I'm just happy that it's not AEW and New Japan because now this, this to me is a breath of fresh air. Yes. The amount of talent that, a- that AEW and Impact both have now, I feel like if if certain stars aren't being used on one show, they can be used on the other show and Ooh. get the proper time that they need. You know, I was just on Instagram this morning, actually. I'm, you know, just looking through my feed, whatever. And I'm already seeing FTR in the North. Oh, like, the I would... I, I cannot tell you how much money I would pay to watch that match. Those two teams would absolutely rip that place apart. Two technical teams take my freaking money another two matches and, and, and ironically this is all tag team matches that we're going to be talking about right here all another another two matches that i want to see the rematch that, the match between the motor city machine guns and the young bucks 
It's a series of matches that they had back when the when the Bucks were Generation Me and Impact Wrestling TNA many years ago, uh, as well as uh, the the battles that they had in Ring of Honor, New Japan, uh, and uh, yeah, Ring of Honor. I remember I was actually there. No, I wasn't there. I was I was not there for their uh, Full Metal not Full Metal Mayhem match. That's the TNA stipulation. The Ladder War. It was the uh, it was the the Addiction, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian against the Young Bucks against. Uh, the Motor City Machine Guns at the final battle 2016 in a uh, ladder war. Oh my god, those guys tore the place down. I don't know if you've seen that match, Angelo, but if you get a chance, tune into that. Oh, those guys killed it. And that's a possible match because SCU is in, you know, now in, in AEW and so many possibilities. And the other match that I was referencing is the Bullet Club reunion, so to speak, the AEW yes. World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks, against the Impact Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, the Good Brothers, Ski, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson. Oh, boy, that would be, as uh, as Booker T would say, shucky, ducky, quack, quack, that's going to be good, with a capital T. Oh, man, a Bullet Club, Bullet Club reunion. That would be wonderful. There's so much potential there, and I still and I still think that I, there's probably so many crossovers that we aren't even thinking about that will be amazing, you know. And that's the thing. I am so excited, so genuinely excited for this partnership. I don't know what's going to come of it. I don't know where they're going to go with it. Whether it's going to be a civil war, whether whatever it is, they have my attention now. And if you're going to tell me that the impact uh, that on Impact Wrestling on Access TV next Tuesday that the AEW World Freaking Champion Kenny Omega is going to show up there to open the show. You can bet your bottom dollar that I am going to be tuning in. I don't have access to access, but I'm going to find a way to get access to access because I want to see whatever is going to happen on Tuesday night. Impact Wrestling Live. Kenny Omega. Ugh. And think, like I said, there's probably so many dream matches that we didn't even know we wanted that are going to come from this. I mean, if you're telling me that I can get Sammy Callahan versus John Moxley... Uh, yes, please. Those yes, two guys are psychotic SOBs. <laughs> and that's actually something that I wanted to bring up, too. Thank you for reminding me. Um, I was reading on, again, Instagram this morning, that they used to be a team back on the Indies. Well, oh, Moxley and Callahan? Yes, I've Moxley heard. and Callahan. I've heard of that, yes. So now, that's what I'm hearing is there's a rumor going around that they might reform that tag team. You know, I don't know. Well, listen, I'm all for anything, but I don't know about that necessarily. We'll see. Um, I know if there, I know for a fact that regardless of whatever happens, I'm just really, really excited. Really, really excited. And that's because, all things considered, they have put a lot of potential money into this, and I think they're going to make a mint off of it. And that's all you want. And as I said, if it's good wrestling, I don't care whose company it is. I'm watching. And I saw something myself on Instagram just before we started recording today that said, uh, this benefits pro wrestling as a whole. Because for, oh, too, yeah. for too long, and, I, and there's nothing against WWE, but for too long, one company has controlled the monopoly. For 20 years, WWE has been the only company that you realistically can say you will always have the opportunity to, to tune into. If you get a partnership in some way, shape, or form throughout 
with AEW, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, New Japan, MLW, all these companies that are on the rise with so many talented superstars who, if you just gave them the opportunity, would be so amazing. It will be beyond beneficial to every one of those companies, every one of the superstars in those companies, that they will not only be, people won't only be tuning into WWE anymore. It's quickly becoming apparent that WWE's product is only as good as it's been, and it's not very good to say the least. NXT is the one bright spot, and if they can't compete with AEW head-to-head, then nothing WWE produces will. I'm sorry, it's just not possible. There's too much inconsistency with their booking, with their, with their, with their storylines. I mean, I can honestly say that I might be intrigued by two or three of the storylines going on. Now, obviously, if you're talking two or three from the entirety of the main roster, that's two shows. There's at least four championships on every show, so figure four major storylines and a bunch of minor ones beyond that, and not a single damn one is entertaining except for the world titles and... Um, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. That's it. That's genuinely all I'm intrigued by. The rest I couldn't give two you-know-whats about. So, all I gotta say is, I'm excited for what's coming. I think it's gonna be absolutely amazing. And I don't really think that there's a lot of downside to this. And it's very rare that you can say that with anything in wrestling. So, let's just hope that the ball does not get dropped, if you will. Whew. So that's a, a an interesting episode here, Angelo. Anything else you'd like to add in, throw uh, throw onto the fire before we close things out? Um. Yeah. So one one last thing about partnerships. Um, something that you and I were actually talking about a little while ago, uh, earlier today. Um, in interview, probably I want to say within the past couple months. Kenny Omega was asked a question on, you know, since he turned out, him and the elite turned down contracts with Vince McMahon and WWE, right. would they ever consider working a partnership with them? And he uh, said the door is always open. And I believe this is a direct thing from what he said, is that it's not about what we want. It's about what the fans want. If the fans want a good damn show, we'll give them a good damn show. Man, I, and I said this to you before, and I believe it wholeheartedly. If that were possible, it would be the biggest thing in the history of wrestling. No WrestleMania, no Wrestle Kingdom, no big, no pay-per-view, nothing will ever top that. Because genuinely, there has never been a time when two of the top promotions have their best stars compete head-to-head. Genuinely. Because as much as they want to say that whole you know alliance storyline that took place in 2001, that was not WCW's best. You had guys like Sean Stasiak and Buff Bagwell competing in main event spots as the WCW representatives, and nothing against Booker T and Rob Van Dam, but they were not nearly as good, at least, or not, not, sorry, not good, that's not the word. They were not at least nearly as popular as the likes of Scott Steiner, Goldberg, Sting, Ric Flair, you know, the big, the big money names of TN, of, and of WCW, it's been a long day. WCW, and yet they never got that. And when they finally came, it's too late. And everything was a mess. Goldberg fell short. NWO died very quickly. Uh, Sting didn't come to WWE for another 15 years. You know, the things that ended up happening, you know, 
Uh, I would love it. I really would. There's so many dream matches. I could sit here and name them for days. Genuinely. Even though some of the guys in AEW were WWE guys, I still want to see a lot of that stuff. You know? I still would love to see Kenny Omega go head-to-head with a guy like, you know, Randy Orton. Or, a, you know, a John Cena. The Young Bucks versus The New Day. You know, so many possibilities. So many. But I just don't see it happening, and it's not because the fans don't want it, but because there are people in high places, in very one particular company at least, I'm sure, that will never want it. And that's the sad part. And you know what? So be it, you know? So be it. Uh, I like the concept, though. I do. And I really, really hope that someday, somehow, we actually get it, and we get it in its entirety, we get it in its fullness, and we get a great version of it. That's all I can hope for, you know? Then- oh, exactly. I think that's every wrestling fan's dream. And, you know, unfortunately, not all dreams come true, but that's definitely one that myself as a wrestling fan, and I know damn well you, too, as a wrestling fan, you would enjoy it. Oh, And I'm pretty sure yes. you would pay top dollar to see it. <laughs> It was one of the few times I actually paid for a wrestling pay-per-view that wasn't on the WWE Network. As much as I love AEW, 50 bucks is a lot of money to drop on a show. But if you tell me right now that that's a show that's happening and you give me a great card, I'll spend any amount of money that you want on it. Because I would watch it and I would watch it a thousand times if I could. Because that show, in my opinion, will be the best damn wrestling show you will ever see. Because you will put the best of the best on there. You have to put the best of the best on there and literally make it be... For one night only, a civil war, or actually it wouldn't be considered a civil war, it would actually just be considered a, a, a war, whatever, a war between two of the, the two biggest wrestling companies in the world. And we can only hope, you know? Oh, exactly. Well, this was an interesting episode, if I do say so myself, Angelo. We were a little bit of a uh, impromptuity to it, uh, you know, at least on our end, but... Uh, you know, I think it was good. And we, from time to time, might do more of this, talking about news and uh, current ongoings in, in the wrestling world. Of course, winter is coming. AEW Dynamite last night provided us with a lot to talk about. And we probably summarized it a lot and left out some important other aspects. But that's okay. Uh, I'm excited to see where this goes from here. And, uh, Angela, anything else you want to add to the people? I think that was pretty much it for this episode. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, as always, we thank you for tuning into the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. For Angelo, my name is Freddie. We remind you to like, share, and subscribe. And always remember to never be afraid to be a fan. And we will see you on the flippity flip the next time. So long, everyone.